Hey, this is Dr. Evans Kariuki. Welcome to Firebrand Nation. Your life will never be the same as you go through these teachings. These are teachings for soul winners. Here at Firebrand Nation, we believe that we are called to reach one soul every second. This podcast is designed for soul winners who hunger and thirst to see the lost come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All right. We see that what was considered sin or what is considered sin, which is a root problem, we now come up with new names for sin. Someone who's a habitual liar is called an extrovert. Someone who is too busy to spend time in the word of God, instead of uh, calling them spiritually lazy, they make excuses. It's just my schedule. Or uh, uh, Christianity is not what it used to be. Uh, uh, Excuses for not attending church, not loving God, not being zealous about the things of God. We have now begun to sugarcoat sin because we, we, we don't understand that sin is a root problem. You know, when a, when a teenager rebels, we say, ah, they're just sowing their wild oats. They're not. They're manifesting sin. You don't have to act up when you become young. When there's dysfunction, we call, we call it dysfunction in the home. It's just dysfunctional. And somebody needs to go see a psychologist. Well, actually, it's a generational curse. It's a generational curse. We call adultery cohabitation. You're living with a woman who's not your wife, living with a man who's not your husband. We call it cohabitation because it sounds good. While it's adultery. We call fornication uh, just weird names. Oh, we got together or we slipped and fell or something like that. It's sin. It's sin. It's sin. We're changing the identity of men, identity of women. And, and it's all being done in the name of love. It's, uh, we, we love who we want to love. We, this is my partner. And at the root of it, it's sin. It's sin that we have titled with many different titles and given it many different names. But at the root of it, it is sin. And it is caused by the fall of man and the fall of humanity is a reason why we call these things like they are. But God never intended to leave man in their sin. God had a redemption plan. How many of you are grateful for the redemption plan? How many of you are grateful that, Lord, you never leave me in my sin? You never left me lost. You never left me broken. You never left me a castaway. How many of you are grateful for God's redemption plan? In heaven... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They sat before time and devised a plan. They sat before time and devised a plan. God, who had created man, looked at Jesus, looked at the Holy Ghost, and said, we need a redemption 
plan. We cannot let the devil run the world and the devil overrun the earth. So Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the son of God, made a decision that Jesus Christ will become the son of man. I want you to pay attention. Remember, it was a decision, delegated authority, and a decision that caused Adam to lose authority. It was a decision. So Jesus Christ, the son of God, had to become Jesus Christ, the son of man. Christ, his anointing. Jesus, his earthly name. So Jesus had to come fully as man. So he burst out of the womb of Mary. And at that point, the devil knew that he was now in trouble. He had seen the same power that Jesus had. He had seen it in Adam. When Jesus Christ was born, the devil began to tremble because the devil knew that the same power that Adam had has now been released on the earth. If you look through the life of Jesus, you realize the same things that happened to Adam are the same things that happened to Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, so also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Don't, don't, don't forget this scripture. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. And Jesus Christ, who was the last or the final Adam, became a living spirit. Jesus had a purpose to undo what Adam had done. Jesus had a reason to undo what the devil had brought on this earth. You know, Jesus came to give life where Adam and Satan and their agreement brought death. If you look at the temptation of Jesus, you realize that Jesus was tempted the same way that Adam was tempted. Jesus was tempted and he was told, look at all these kingdoms. I'm going to give them to you and put them under your feet. Isn't that like the devil? The devil is always trying to give us something that doesn't belong to him. He offered knowledge of good and evil to Adam and Eve, and he offered the kingdoms of the world to Jesus Christ. How many of you know Adam and Eve already in the garden had the knowledge that God wanted them to receive? But Jesus also, standing at the mountain when he was tempted, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. They were going to be his anyway. He just had to go through the process. Knowledge was going to be Adam's. He just had to go through the process. So God sent a redemption plan. Redemption. Re meaning to return. 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 Put back to how it was. Redemption. Christ became a life-giving spirit. When Jesus died, and when Jesus resurrected, at the end of the tomb, a great song was being sung. The redemption song that Jesus Christ, who took captivity captive, according to Romans chapter 6, brought freedom to men. Freedom from sin. Freedom from bondage. Freedom from torment. And this great redemption song 
has been sang for many years in the hearts and minds of every believer. You see, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God. We are given what Adam had. And the Bible tells us that after the resurrection, the spirit of God came to indwell man. What does that mean? That God himself came back to dwell in man. What are we saying? We are saying that what Jesus did was that in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, he put man back into oneness with God. He put us back into unity with God. You know, you have for you to, to, to preach the full gospel, you must have a savior who is sacrificed, who died and resurrected. If you don't have sacrifice, death, and resurrection, you are in no need of a savior. Someone said the other day, if God wanted to save humanity, he could have simply just said it or just waved his wand and waved his hand and saved everybody. Why did God have to kill his son? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You cannot take sacrifice out of the Christian experience. Hear me. You cannot take sacrificial living out of the Christian experience. This is what separates Christian Christianity from other religions. Muhammad today is dead. Buddha is dead. John Marx is dead. They are all still captive by the grave. Only one that suffered, died, and resurrected. And in Romans 6, 11, the Bible says death has no more dominion over him. Then the Bible says, likewise, reckon yourself or count yourself to be like him, to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God. I want to tell you about Romans chapter 6, verse 11. I never really understood the depths of my sin until I read this scripture. The, Bible, the, the history has shown us that everybody has one scripture that changes their life forever when they hear it. They hear it and changes their life. For me, it was Romans 6, 11. I carried the guilt of sin. I carried the guilt of sin so much when I was saved. I used to wonder, can God use someone who's made the mistakes I've made, do the things I've done? But then I read Romans 6, 11, that death has no more dominion over Jesus. Then it says, likewise, reckon yourself or count or add yourself to this same death. And when you've died this death, 
you come alive unto God. So for me to be alive in serving God, for me to be awakened to serve God, I had to reckon myself to be dead unto sin. So today, I can tell you this part where I died unto sin, where sin lost its hold on me, where the grave lost its hold on me. Do you want to know what true salvation is? True salvation is when Jesus Christ comes into our hearts and man realizes that that bandage of sin, that thing we were born with, has been lost. And we are now born again. For you to lose the bandage of sin that you were born with, not that you did. Sin is not an action. Sin is something we were born with. For you to lose that bandage, you must be born again. Why did Jesus die? Reasons that Jesus died. Why did he have to come and die? Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Oh, I love this scripture. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to seek and save that which was lost. When was it lost? It was lost in the garden. Was lost in the garden. Matthew 18, 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go into the mountains and seek that which was gone astray? Jesus came to seek that which was lost. Came for us who are lost. Came for us who had lost our way. That is the reason why Jesus came. And his method, his method of saving us was taking our place in death, in burial, and in resurrection. Can we put our hands together and bless the Lord for being a good savior and fulfilling the work of salvation? So now that Jesus Christ has died, he has resurrected. He has all power in his hands. What does he do? He does the same thing that God did in the book of Genesis. He does the same thing. He had the same mission. The same way God created the earth and gave Adam delegated authority. Jesus' resurrection gave his disciples delegated authority and power. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What is that church? When Jesus said go, what was he doing? Giving what? Giving authority. Delegated. 
What I have, I'm giving you. The same way God told Adam, replenish the earth. Jesus told us, replenish the earth with born again Christians. Go give birth to other believers. Go alos, go alos. Anakazo alos. Anakazo, go compel them. Alos, go get another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. Go reproduce after yourself. Teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. Jesus says, go do what God's original plan was and go evangelize the earth with this new power. Acts chapter one, verse 18, verse eight, Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The reason why Jesus resurrected, he said, now go and be a witness unto me. Jesus' first commandment to the disciples was follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It was also the last commandment of Jesus Christ to become a witness. So if you are following Jesus, then you must also obey the last commandment to become a witness. His message has always been consistent. If you're not fishing, you're not following. If you're not following, you're not believing. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not for us to speak in tongues. It's not just for us to, for, to do miracles. All the other manifestations is to help in the advancement of the gospel. The reason why we pray for miracles and deliverances and power and have services like we had last Sunday, services like we'll have this Sunday, is for the advancement of the gospel. The Holy Spirit came to make us witnesses and for us to bring souls into the kingdom of God. What is a witness? A witness is one who shares what they have seen and what they have experienced and what they have heard. So Jesus Christ does a work in us so that we can make an impact from the inside out. It is our responsibility to become the witness. It's not our responsibility to convert people, but it's our responsibility to be the witness. It's our role to be witnesses to the role, to the resurrection. And our message is to declare that Jesus is alive. 
what is our message? That Jesus is alive and eternity is promised. We are a witness that Jesus is alive and we are a witness to the power of eternity. That is what a witness does. So I have some self-assessment questions. And if you ask yourself these questions, how you answer them will tell me or tell you whether you're saved, truly saved or not. Because for you to be a witness, you must have been a witness. Look at this. Question number one. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came to the earth? As the son of God, son of man, sent for the redemption of man. Do you know there are people who don't believe Jesus Christ was the son of God? They, they don't. But they say they are Christians. They are so-called churches that don't emphasize that Jesus Christ was like really man. And he was the son of God. And unfortunately, people who believe that are not saved. For the Bible says anyone who confesses Christ must believe that he came in the flesh. That's Bible. So if in your heart you don't believe, you still have questions that Jesus Christ actually existed on this earth. The son of God literally came to this earth. You need to call me or call somebody and have a conversation around your salvation. I don't want you to live on this earth and end up going to hell. It's already hell enough on this earth. Second question you must be convinced about. You, Yanni, there is no question about this in your heart. Second question. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus died? Literally died. And do you believe in your heart that Jesus literally resurrected? Not some fake, fictitious, mystical. No, he died a real death. And he resurrected a real resurrection. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus ascended into heaven? And do you believe in your heart that he gave the gift of the Holy Ghost unto men? Five questions that if your answers are yes, then you are a Christian. It doesn't matter what you're still struggling with. It doesn't matter what you're battling. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Jesus is not going to stand at the gates of, of, of heaven and ask you, hey, remember you are, you, he, the only question he will ask when we get to heaven is, did you believe in Jesus Christ? Because the truth is this, there are people who are still witnessing and God is still perfecting the second work of grace. What's the second work of grace? Sanctification. Salvation and sanctification are two 
different things. Sanctification comes through washing your mind with the word, being renewed. Sanctification comes from uh, resisting the devil, resisting sin, getting away from sin. Sanctification comes from the Holy Spirit taking full control of our lives. But salvation is believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, if you're not sanctified, you can live a very frustrated life on this earth. And, but the truth is, salvation is believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ was alive, died, buried, resurrected. Believing. I'm sure in the last three months, you've had somebody from Jehovah's Witness or from the Letter Day Church come and knock at your door or meet you in the supermarket or meet you somebody. But when did you have a Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized believer come and knock on your door? Imagine that. They have the answer. We have the answer. We have the truth. We have the spirit. We have life. But still Christians don't witness. They don't go out to witness. They don't go out to witness. We say the reason why they don't do it is because they don't have that focus of eternity. They don't have that idea of eternity. So we've described how man got redeemed and how man got put back in the right place. My question to you is this. Now that you understand how the heavens and the earth came together for your salvation, do you understand the value of a soul? Because for you to be a witness, for you to go, as Jesus said, you must understand the value of a soul. You must possess for you to be a soul winner, you must possess a vision of the value of a soul. If you are the only Christian or the only human being on this earth, write this point down. If you are the only human being on this earth, Jesus would have still died. He would have still come, he would have still died. My question to you is this, who would have put him on the cross? If you are the only person, you would have been the one to put him on the cross. The reason why people destroy their bodies and drugs, the reason why people don't get fully into the things of God, alcohol, immorality, all manners of sin, is because they don't have a full vision of the value of a soul. The value of a soul. No one can just say, nobody can just say that they value a soul. You can't just say, yes, 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 Bishop. I have an idea of the value of a soul. Yes, Bishop. I understand eternity. I want to introduce this then tomorrow we will finish. 
there must be action and investment. So you don't just say that you value a soul. Let, let, us, let us do self-assessment. Self-assessment. Look at your bank account. How much of your money is spent in the work of God? How much of your money is spent giving to the work of God? For some, their bank account is full of how many shoes they bought, how much food they ate, how many clothes they buy, how many weaves, how many suits. But the Bible says in Luke 12, 34, that where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So your bank account will show you what you care about. Because if you care about souls, you invest into souls. Second assessment number two. What do you spend your time doing? Have you ever heard somebody who says, you know, one, one father said, I love God and I want my children to be raised in a godly way. So what did he do? He, he, wake, he wakes his children up every Sunday morning and tells them to go to church with their mother. He wakes his children up and tells them, you must go to church with your mother. But he himself never goes to church. And we make excuses. Oh, church hurt. Oh, this happened. Oh, this happened. No, no, no. The truth is, you don't have a vision for the value of a soul. What you spend your time, where you invest your time, shows what you believe. So our prayer must be, what we pray must be, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. Give me a vision for the value of a soul. The value placed on a dollar is different between someone who wastes it and squanders it and someone who prizes and protects it. Let me give you an example. When you've got a lot of money and you just got paid, you don't even care about a single dollar. You'll spend a lot of money, not even, if you saw a dollar some, somewhere or, tw or 25 cents somewhere, you don't even care about it when you got a lot of money. But you, when you ain't got no money, oh man, the dollar that you find on the floor or in the pillow, how many of you have ever found that, that $20 in your clothes? You found that 20 in your clothes when you have no money. It's like you just hit the jackpot. You just hit the jackpot. It's the same way. It's the same way. You, if you value souls, if you value souls, you prize them and you protect them. For someone to value souls, they must count all things but lost for them to win the prize. The greatest price of Christian living 
is for us to value souls. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the suppressing value of knowing Christ my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so I may gain Christ. What is the value of a soul? The value of a soul according to Matthew 13, 44, it is considered a good treasure hidden in a field. And when one person sees it, they go and sell everything they have so they can buy that field. Again, the kingdom of God is like a goodly pearl that when somebody has found it, he will sell everything that he has. Sell everything that he has to buy it. Church, when you understand the value of a soul, we will do everything at every cost, at every expense, until we find it. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 10, tells us of the lost sheep and the lost coin. The Bible tells us that when the sheep was lost, the shepherd did everything to make sure that he found that, that sheep. And when the coin was lost, the woman did everything to find that coin. And then after a while, they both said, rejoice with me. But now look at verse 10. Look at verse 10, what Jesus was actually telling us about. The Bible says, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of God when one sinner repents. When one sinner repents. When we say we will do anything to win souls, this is exactly what we mean. That there is no expense, there is no height, no depth, nothing we won't go through for us to win one soul. One soul. The apex of all that Jesus cared about. Jesus cared about souls. That's why he came. That's why he did everything he did. The devil will make you rich on this earth as long as he can have your soul. Oh, look at people like Beyonce who began singing in choirs and were raised in the church. The devil will offer you the world. That if you look at many musicians, they all began in the church. The devil will offer you the world if he can have your soul. Because even the devil is willing to pay the price to have any soul. Nothing else in this world is more valuable than one soul. The reason for this is because every soul will live in eternity. 
if, for example, a child was killed in the mother's womb, and this is hope for anyone who's ever had an abortion. This is encouragement. If you've ever had an abortion, that child will live in eternity. If you lose a child at a young age, before the age of self-awareness and knowledge, that child goes and lives in eternity. In heaven, in heaven. Your auntie, your cousins, your brother, the person you see at the shop, everybody will one day live in eternity. It's all about souls. From the man who died of all age, old age to the young person who commits suicide, at the end of the day, all souls live in eternity. So the greatest work that you and I can do, the greatest work, if you have a value of a soul and you have a vision of eternity, what else is left for us to do? If Jesus gave it all for us, then we must give it all for him. Let us pray. Father, stop, stamp eternity on our eyeballs. Lord, let us have a vision of a soul. Let us realize how precious one soul is. Let us realize the apex of everything you did was so that we could live with you in heaven one day. Thank you, Father. For we were that lost sheep. We were that lost coin. We were that treasure that was hidden. And you sold everything and came for us. For that we bless you. We worship and we adore you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I truly believe you have been blessed. If you have enjoyed this episode and would like to join Firebrand Nation, the movement, connect with us on social media at Firebrand Nation. Go to our website at www.firebrandnation.com. Remember, alone I'm a flame. Together we are a fire. Like, share, and distribute this so that others could be blessed. God bless you.